Boss! 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 Welcome into an even special-er edition of At The Buzzer, uh, which is still a Ralph Report podcast talking about Colorado athletics. We've had a lot of special um, podcasts in the last like month-ish where we, Carl Durrell was fired and uh, there's a fun recruiting thing with Cody Williams that Chase hopped on for. Um, you know, it's, just, it's been an exciting last month in Colorado athletics, except for the one place where it might have counted the most, which was the football field. So, um, you know, as we move forward, there's been a lot of changes in the coaching carousel. Um, and in case you've been living under a rock, we're going to, I guess, spoil it early here, but uh, Deion Sanders is CU's next head coach. Um, wait, really? Wait, wait, th- what? I know, right? Straight from the Baltimore Ravens coming in. Um, don't worry about the last like 15 years. Yeah, Deion Sanders is Colorado football's 28th head coach. Um, and to talk about it, you just heard a little bit of that. Um, no Sam, unfortunately. We have two, I guess, double Ralph Report All-Stars. Um Chase Howell, once again, is back, who was on for the Carl Durrell Emergency Pod firing show. So welcome again, Chase. I think I'm an official Ralphie Report contributor now. At least that's what I told the people at the front when I was trying to get in the press conference. (laughs) That's fine. That worked. Um, Yeah, I mean, you represent whoever you're representing very well. Um, And, you know, if you want to go Ralphie Report, go for it. I'll call you a contributor. Um, The other person, uh, other all-star... Um, also on the call here is um, our very own friend of the program, Jake Shapiro. Welcome in, Jake. Thank you. Uh, I would say first time, long time, but I think I've been on this show several times. That is correct. Oh, God. We're having mic or internet issues. Hopefully it's okay. Hold on. I'll pause there. Wait. There we go. Wait. <laughs> okay. Woo! Okay. Technical difficulties. They don't want us to. Uh, they don't want us to talk about this. But introducing once again, um, someone who has been here before, plenty of times talking about the buffs with Sam and I and Ralph Airport. We have Jake Shapiro. Welcome back, Jake. Thanks. It's great. It's great to be talking about the buffs and not the Broncos. <laughs> Oh man, uh, ten to nine, huh? Tyler Huntley back from the dead, Utah's own. <laughs> I literally brain. didn't see a minute of it because I was focused on the Colorado Buffaloes. I think today, and I was saying this to our editors over at the Fan. I think today was the first day that Colorado Buffaloes football has surpassed Denver Broncos football in importance in this state and in this city in probably two decades. Yeah, at least two decades. I, I would have to be in early nineties. Right. Well, I'm guessing maybe 01 or 04, yeah, maybe, maybe, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. know 6236 good... probably broke through a little bit, um, but it also takes historic ineptitude, I think, for the Broncos to uh, to make that happen, you know, lower the Broncos bar, raise CU's bar, um, and CU's bar has definitely absolutely been raised in the last two days. Um, so I guess I want to start because we're all fresh off of this, but Deion Sanders just held his introductory press conference. Um, this afternoon in Boulder and Jake and Chase, you were both in the room for that. Um, you know, we were promised that Deion Sanders will bring attention to publicity. 
So uh, it sounds like that happened. How how was uh, how was the vibe at the press conference? It was an absolute electric factory. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dion brings attention. He loves publicity. He loves all of that. He loves the bright lights. That's why there are he does documentaries on his football teams. That's why he literally videos every single thing he does because um, he wants it all out there and and he loves that type of publicity. And you can see that today with the amount of news people, and we were just comparing it to the Broncos, um, but the amount of news people and then just the amount of people that were in that room, it was probably only 5 to 10% media, um, and you could probably hear the sounds. There's a lot of cheering, and it, it wasn't your typical press conference, I would say. Um, the top press conference moment I've ever had in an introductory press conference before today was Bud Black joking about uh, how – as long as he lives, even though now he wears purple, he will still think Matt Holiday did not touch the plate. Oh, yeah. And that got wow. some giggles. Today got people literally going hallelujah, hallelujah, like a church. I saw some arms raised. I saw some people getting up and bowing their heads. It was like a pastor, man. It was <laughs> crazy. Um, I personally turned over. Uh, I'm a teacher at CU now, and my students were sitting next to me. And I turned next to one of my students um, in the middle of Dion's speech about baby, we're coming, baby, we're coming, which yeah. is the most hype thing I've ever heard. And I just <laughs> said, holy crap. I'm like, I, I look, that's the sound of me running through a brick wall. Like I am there, man. If, yeah. if that didn't fire you up, then you have no emotions. No, I was losing my mind. Um, so watching that, I absolutely, I, I couldn't help but think back. Number one, I mean, we don't have to think of talk about Carl Durrell's press conference, but like thinking back to how excited we all were in similar situation, I thought to Mel Tucker's press conference where he came in late one night and we all watched him get excited about the facilities, and then the next day at his press conference, and he he rolled out that uh, meat and potatoes, no French pastry line that he loves so very much. And we, I mean, I was I was pumped then, man. Like I was like, hell yeah, we're back on, on a guy who like actually develops and recruits at a high level. Like this is just a football guy's football guy. Um, and then it just looks like garbage compared to today. I I don't even know. Like we all knew, like you said. Deion Sanders, right, loves the attention, and he knows how to speak, but holy crap. Oh, my God, dude. He just came right, out. Like, none of us are surprised yeah. Deion won a press conference, right? Like, that's right. not surprising. Like, that's kind of the Deion Sanders thing. Um, But to hear his understanding of what he has left in his wake in leaving a historically black college and university in Jackson State yep. uh, and hear his take on it, uh, which has been really interesting because there's been a lot of backlash from certain communities. Um, and to hear his thoughts on what his relationship in this community will be like and where he factors in was really interesting. There were some interesting nuggets that actually uh, were dropped today. And I didn't think we were going to hear much other than coach speak of I'm just too blessed to be stressed. And that line's awesome. But like, I didn't think we were going to hear any depth, any like real nuggets. Yeah. And we got some stuff today. That's one thing about Coach Prime, though, is he just brings the truth. It, yeah, there's like taglines and, and he does all that, but he tells you the truth. He tells it straight up. And I, I don't know if you watched that players meeting um, that he had right I was before the press that up later. Yeah, it's a great video. I think it's about 15 minutes long of him meeting all of the current players. And there are probably only like 30 or so in the room. It looked like maybe 40. I don't know. But it was yeah. a very low amount of players. It wasn't your full... Uh, 85 scholarship players but you could tell he just gave him the straight truth and he wasn't gonna sugarcoat anything 
He said someone asked him what the offseason is going to look like, and he told him that uh, he's going to try to make him quit. And that's what the offseason is going to look like, which is beautiful. It's like he's setting the bar at a place that we haven't seen at CU in a really, really long time. The bar is high, and he loves the expectations. He was asked about that during the press conference, too. He wants at the highest of expectations. Um, And he said his expectations are even higher than what everybody else has. Yeah, I um, like Jake said, we're not surprised that Deion Sanders is winning press conferences. That's literally like the whole deal you get when you hire Deion Sanders. Um, And I wasn't surprised either. It did feel good. I mean, it felt good to watch a guy with a CU hat on talk like that um, and and act like that. Um, And you could tell the, the energy in the room. I don't know. It was a weird, I, I don't I don't know. I feel like euphoria might be the right word for it. Cause there's just like this mix of like massive relief mixed in with like massive anticipation. If it, to me, that's what came across of like so much of this process and Chase, you and I at the beginning went through and I think both just offhand dismissed Deion Sanders as an option, let alone. We both agreed on candidate. that. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So it's like, we're, it, we're big enough men to admit that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. They don't pay me to be right. Um, so like, just at, at the beginning, we both are just like, no way. Right. Um, and through this process, I, I still would be okay. Honestly, if Bronco Mendenhall was CU's head coach, but like, that was a name that I was looking at, like that level of candidate, other FCS head coaches that win a lot were the level of candidate I was looking at because I figured, yeah, CU just needs a culture change. Anyone who wins is a good part of that culture change. Um, I don't know. This is like the absolute max best case scenario I'm thinking of when you think of something like culture change. And it just felt like a lot of the room today all kind of felt like, okay, yeah, this is the, this is the way, like, this is the way to do it. We, we won, like we won already. We, we made it through the end of this process feeling much better about the future of this program and honestly the future of the university. Yeah. Which is kind of, crazy it's like you hire a coach and everything the entire perception of the university and the football team has changed nationally by everybody and we already see it with the recruits i mean there was a 2025 five-star recruit that already committed um it's obviously going to be a couple stealing years all of my headlines bro until he's here but it, the energy and everything that's going on is just it's it's hard to believe that we live in reality right now as CU bus fans, as people that have watched this football team over the last five to 10 years, yep. being this sort of happiness and euphoria, it's weird for a lot of us. And a lot of us don't really know how to act, which is probably why that press conference ended up looking like a little bit of a circus because people are just so damn excited that it's hard <laughs> not to be, it's hard not to be yelling at Dion when, when he's talking and praise be and all the stuff that we heard from the crowd today. But that that's what it's like right now. You literally are looking, and I, I'm not too much of a religious person, but to some people, he's like the second coming of Jesus. Like, that's literally who's rolling in to save Boulder right now. I believe he is an ordained minister, by the way. Um, so I, I think some of that comes through in, in how he speaks. But yeah, it, it did feel like a quasi-religious experience. I mean, it's a collective thing that we all buy into very deeply that has not paid off for a long portion of when we bought into it. Um, and like, it feels now like it's going to pay off. Um, yeah. I'll, I guess I'll, I'll circle back later to what we, what I would describe as the immediate results of those paying off in a sec, but um, just trying to finish up of what happened like this at last night and today. So last night we got the video once again, his son, Deion Sanders jr. 
just pumps out videos all the time. Like Chase mentioned, like there's already been at least an hour of Dion CU coach content you can watch right now if you want to on YouTube. And over 700,000 people have watched him come into receives facilities at like two in the morning last night when you could tell he was just white. Um, I like, kind of felt bad for him. I was like, you, you don't want to just like let him roll in and get, get a good night's sleep. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, so starting last night, Deion Sanders gets off the private jet. There's literally a red carpet rolled out for him. Comes to the CU facilities with his son, Shador Sanders. Um, and they, they tour the facilities with the facilities head there, Jason DePap, or I don't know how to say the last name, but that all happens last night. Gets a very brief night's sleep, I'm sure. Um, and then today we get the introductory press conference as well as that player meeting. And as Chase mentioned, if you have not watched the video of that player meeting, you should watch the video of that player meeting. Um, I was expecting to be a little more like lovey-dovey, I'm here, we, let's get this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, it was not that. It was not that. I was, uh, wow. I I mean, that's what I wanted to hear, but I was scared to hear. And uh, I, I came away from that both excited and afraid for the current roster. Yeah, for those of us that watch the team and follow the team, I think that's exactly what we wanted to hear. We know that these guys are going to have to move on, at least the majority of them. They're going to have to move on. They come from a 111 football team, a terrible culture, um, and they've never been pushed by a true ed football coach. And they're going to be pushed to a completely different level um, than they've ever been pushed. And they're going to have to, if they want to survive, if they want to be on a winning football team, um, they're going to have to dig deep and, and find it within themselves to be able to stay. But it, it is cool to see some of these players. I, I think we saw quite a few tweets even after the players meeting saying that they're buying in. A lot of them want to do this. A lot of them want to be, on a winning football program, uh, Maurice Bell, who I think would be coming back for like his seventh year. That dude has been in college since I started college. I mm -hmm. remember he was in my dorm room my freshman year. So um, <laughs> he's coming back for his seventh year. He entered the portal, but has already backed out. And he was in that meeting. I remember seeing his face. So um, I do think that the players received his message and they understand. But there was a ton of fear in those guys' eyes. The whole time he's talking, you could tell that they know that their position is not secure right now. Yeah, you know, um, if you're going to pick a poll quote from that video and that meeting, the poll quote I'm picking is Deion Sanders straight up telling the coach that he is just hired to, 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 uh, to the team you just hired to coach and just telling them, if you want to hit the portal, hit the portal. Just leaves more room for me to bring someone else in. And he's like, oh, my God, that is a new era. Like. I can't think of a more non-Carl Durrell message and more non-CU football free now message than than that. Like, that just doesn't – I mean, man, I don't know. That video, I would recommend everyone watch that. But that is a signal that this this, this shit is different. This <laughs> is different. Oh, no, I just God. literally got off the phone, Jack, with the president of CU, which is why you haven't heard from me on the podcast for about five minutes. <laughs> and you guys have heard this – thing he's been saying all across the state about his front porch philosophy in terms mm -hmm. of having the football team uplift the rest of the university and having people get in the door and this being the common talking point. What's really interesting to me is this athletic department and this institution, this university has not been as aligned on making CU great again, making the Colorado Buffaloes football program great since they destroyed it. Like that's the last time this university was this aligned with the goal about Colorado football was 
let's get, you know, let's wash our hands of this. Mm -hmm. So to see all of the pieces start to come together, I find really interesting. And I, I know I'm opening up kind of a third rail here when I say this. When Deion Sanders today said, I've met my perfect match in Rick George. Yeah, that was interesting. That was fascinating. And Rick has said time and time again, year after year, I want to get us back there and then point at the 1990 national championship banner up at Folsom field. And he hasn't gotten close, right? Like it's not like we're <laughs> even at the point, right? Jack chase. I think all of us would say, we'll take a couple six win seasons. Just get us back to the, to the yes. Vegas bowl. Yeah, right? I was like, like, that was my pitch for Bronco. It's like, he'll get, we're all wins, man. Oh, Let's get us to some bowl games. Right. Please. So to hear that they're shooting, not for, that but for national championships is kind of wild and it seems unrealistic but in the same sense if you're going to go for it you might as well go for it and the only way rick george was going to save his job at least in my opinion was throwing the hill mary yep. and guess what they caught it and they're they're streaking down the field and in, in, in ann arbor right now so um th this is incredible um but what i find again, interesting is Dion's going to be here a couple of years. I think we all know that. I don't think anyone thinks Dion's going to be here for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. What does this do to Rick George's legacy? How long will Rick George be here because of it? Is it good? Is it bad? Because Rick George was cheered very, very loudly today mm -hmm. by all of the people that fund CU athletics, the same people that behind the scenes were trying to get him fired a couple months ago. That's really interesting. <laughs> Um, you know, when you say like, I, I agree, Jake, when you hear that they're shooting for those ridiculous levels, like it's, it's interesting, especially because the fan expectation is not necessarily that right now, but it's past hearing it to me. Like everything we've seen the last 24 hours is like the real, is the acting on that goal. Like it, you don't try to hire Deion Sanders unless you're actually like, well, you know, screw it. Pac-12 can be ours. Let's go get him. Like this, I, I guess to expand in a different direction too, like there's a 12 team playoff starting next year. Right. And the Pac-12 has an automatic bid next year. Right. Don't think year that's after. I, it's it's a year after 2024. Yeah. It's not like he's going to be there yeah. next year anyways, but the point being like, they'll just have to settle for the Rose bowl next year. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, the point, the point of that being like, there is a, in my opinion, pretty open conference that Oregon is technically the boss of right now. And maybe Washington's right behind there and probably Utah's up there too. But like, if you ask me if a, a team that has what appears to be administrative support, financial backing and Dion goddamn Sanders is their head coach. If they can compete in that peer group, I think they can pretty easily and pretty quickly. So he's not, I don't think he's going to be here forever, but like the, the, the gates, I, there is a pretty wide runway, I think, for CU to get to where we want them to be um, with everything that we just saw in, like, the last week or so. Like, we just made CU's football life so much easier in the, in, it, with what just happened. And I, I don't know. I, I think that Colorado as a program historically can compete with the best of what's left of the Pac-12, um, which I, I, know, I, I don't know. I think Dion thinks that, too. So I, I think that's part of the reason why he came here. But um, um, real quick, because I know Chase is about to talk. Kevin Durant was tweeting about and posting on Instagram about the Deion Sanders press conference. Like, yep. like that's crap. Yep. Shannon Sharp, Stephen A. Smith, like all in the last 12 hours, you know, like it's just incredible.
all over Sports Center last night. Like it is, it's the biggest story in sports. Yeah, it, it's CU's logo plastered all over Sports Center, all over every single news site. You go to twenty four seven Sports, and they're talking about the recruits that CU's getting it, and the five stars, and the number one transfer portal guy that put CU in his top four today. It is crazy how quickly things have changed. The perception of CU football and whether Dion is here for two or three years or five or six, it really doesn't matter because things have changed so much, so drastically. And when he does leave, it's going to be in a much better spot than where we were a week ago. Colorado won one game. And we're the top story in college football right now as they announced the college football playoff on the same day. Um, the Dion stuff, um, you know, I really wonder how smooth it's going to go. There's a lot of questions I on signing day on the 21st. I want to know if, you know, it's kind of like a duck underwater. Are we just seeing the smoothness on top? And is it going to be, you know, chaos on bottom? And and, and there's going to be a lot of fighting? Or is it really going to be, I am this confident, strong man, and I am able to accomplish what I want? Um there has historically been just outside of the administration throughout the community of Colorado Boulder, a really tough time for football coaches, for yep. black men, for yep. people who are men of faith um, to get things done. And it brushes up with what the general community of Boulder, Colorado believes in and how they act. And I, I just wonder if this is going to be able to be any sort of sustainable if Dion comes in here and he brings in his recruits and all that, and it's awesome for a couple of years, is this the start of a new era of Colorado football? Or we were just the Dion Sanders stopping point for a couple of years. Um, and we brought his whole parade, but certainly it's a circus. Like it is a circus. Anything around Dion Sanders is, is a circus. And today was just the beginning of the circus. It's day one. We're covering the circus for maybe 720 days. We'll see. <laughs> um, but I, I, ju I just wonder if this is the kickstart to return Colorado football to glory for ever, or if this is just the start. And you guys mentioned the larger picture in the Pac-12, and this is something I've talked about with Chase behind the scenes for years. Um, the best team in the Pac-12, you guys would say, probably either the Washington program or the Oregon program of the last 10 years since Colorado's joined the Pac-12, yes. right? Those yes. two programs. So the, I throw Utah in there. I think Utah. okay, Utah. So the high point for Colorado football, based on their peers, is getting to the college football playoff and getting smoked. Um, based off of that, which I think any of us would take right now, top two teams that we're consistently talking about, and that's what the administration is talking about. And that, of course, what I'm talking about within the Pac-12 fails to mention that the Pac-12 is going to be a shell of itself moving forward. So. Does Deion Sanders hiring in itself completely reinvigorate the Pac-12? Does it draw other schools to the Pac-12? Does it maybe possibly convince one of the two LA schools to want to stay in the Pac-12? Because this is the type of move that has, again, this is not a, a local story. This is not a regional story. This is a national story. And I think this is going to have impacts that we don't foresee today that are actually going to be bigger impacts than Deion Sanders' son plays quarterback at the University of Like, that's, that's a great... But I don't think there's something that we don't know that's going to change drastically. And to that point, I think it just makes CU that much uh, more 
wanted from these other conferences, most likely the Big Ten. Now now the Big Ten's looking at CU like, oh, if Dion can do something for a couple of years, CU would be a great team to add. But I can't get there we'll yet. We'll see. We'll see because there's just a lot of things that need to the next few years become just the perception has completely changed. Um, Media market number one is New York, right? Media market number one is New York. Big 10 has that. Media market number two is LA. Big 10 has that. Media market number three. Do you guys know where the third biggest media market in America is? Is it Houston? Chicago. It is. It is currently Houston. It is Chicago. So Big 10 has that. Four is Houston. Which the SEC has, and yeah. it's Phoenix. Uh, so if you guys want to talk like larger college football playoff and expansion stuff, to me, what is interesting here is who goes after the Arizona's find a way to marry itself to Utah to get in with the Arizona schools. Because if you get all four going to the SEC or Big Ten, that all of a sudden is a very appealing package. And to me, that's the way that happens for Colorado, where they move up a conference, because it doesn't really make much sense for a school, a, a conference to want to take Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, Arizona, and Arizona State because of the laws those those two states signed. Um, I know that's a little off topic, but the whole point <laughs> is this Deion Sanders thing has such far-reaching effects on the future of Colorado Buffalo's football um, that to have a discussion, like I asked Chase jokingly, how many wins do we have next year? I don't know how many players like Jack over under 25 and a half players that were on the roster this year are on the roster next year. <laughs> that's a pretty good line, actually. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair line. And I, uh, and I'd go under, okay. I think I'd so go how under. are you supposed to answer? The, yeah. How, how are you supposed to answer the question of what this team looks like next right. year? We have no idea. So right. the only way to really talk about this with any sort of actual analysis is in the meta, honestly. But that's so. I guess in my head too, overarching. Like a month ago, I'm saying we want a lifeboat to the Big Twelve, and we want to hire a guy like Bronco that'll win you games, and then you and then you try to go build up from there sustainably. Like this is the moonshot to me that worked. Where now I'm just like, okay, screw all that. Forget what I said before. Like we are literally talking about potential Big Ten expansion in the next ten years because of the person that we hired for the football team because it really is like that big. Like he actually is that big and he hasn't won a game yet. He hasn't, he has never won a game at the power five level. He's never coached at the power five level, but it, I, I it feels unimpeachable to me. The, the impact that he has already, um, the overarching commitment to athletics that his arrival signifies, like that is such a huge deal to me that, it's just a foregone conclusion that we have at least a five-year contract for at least $5 million a year for a head football coach. I didn't think that was coming to CU this cycle. I didn't think that was happening. As long with his assistant pool being as big as it's rumored, as, as well as the NIL stuff being as big as it's rumored, like, where – I overnight, it just feels like CU has decided to be like, okay, yeah, we, we can do this. Let's, let's try this. Let's see what happens. And we are. Oh, my God. Just incredible. Did the Regents unanimously agree today? I don't, the I don't think a contract has been signed. Has it? Oh, I thought they were supposed to meet and agree today. I thought so too, but I don't know. I thought they met yesterday, but I, you know, my the reporting on a coaching search as either of us could tell you is crazy. Um, me and him both thought Ryan Day was going to be the hire at one point uh, when uh, they I hired that, and that changed in the eleventh hour. So, Bronco Mendenhall was really close to being done uh, over two weeks ago. Two, over I two heard weeks. that as well. 
So a lot of things changed in the 11th hour. Uh, so we're currently on a, you know, a little ambiguous as to a lot of different things. Um, but, you know, the football thing, the football program in, in Dion, um, I, I just, I, I want to see all these guys come in here, the recruits he's going to get. And I want to know how it goes. Like our guys actually going to want to stay. Is there going to be enough money in the NIL to get guys here? Because, the money that has helped them get Deion Sanders, where did that money come from? Because CU has not had that money in recent years. And why is it here all of a sudden? I understand Deion Sanders is one of the most sellable people in America. So that helps add the money. But like me and Chase are sitting next to Stephen Tebow today. Like mm-hmm. it's not like Tebow all of a sudden had more money to give to Colorado Buffalo's football. The real estate market just crashed. <laughs> um, so I, I want to know where that money fits from under armor and i wonder if jack barsh is gonna have to take off the nike hat he's wearing right now I, so well Dion I, wore a nike I hat. don't know if i should nike under armor but i do know that there are plenty of boosters that have not been involved over the last 10 years that are way more willing to be involved if they were to lean Deion sanders and, and that's why you kind of red zone everybody started talking because boosters started to push for dion and other boosters that we haven't seen in a long time they said that they're willing to spend the money now um and they're only willing to spend the money on a guy like dion so i do think that they've been able to get some money from places that they haven't before and there's also rumors that uh todd solomon has been able to figure out a way to get sue athletics more money i don't know if that's true or not i just tried to ask him he didn't answer it's a good question yeah thanks good try thanks that is a good question um so I know that Jake said it's folly to try to even predict what this team will look like next year or the remaining years after that, but uh, screw it. I'm going to try. Um, so Jack, so... Before you, before you even start, let me okay. ask you this. I asked Chase this too. Um, trying to figure out when guys graduate college now is impossible. So good luck <laughs> on your journey. Me, neither Chase or I knows if JT Shroud even has eligibility left. Um, I don't know how Maurice Spell has eligibility left. I don't know how Isaiah Lewis has eligibility left. So good luck on your journey. Um, All right, we're going to try. So, yeah, eligibility is harder, and figuring out where players are going to go is harder and how many players are staying. But I think it's easier to start with Deion Sanders' staff, and frankly, that is my biggest worry with him, or was my biggest worry with Deion Sanders as a candidate, is if – if he's going to go full Scott Frost and just bring all of his lower level, st- level staff with him um, and hope it works out. We are getting, we are, well, I guess it's confirmed that that is not the case. And we're getting a little bit of a clearer picture about who's coming with him. Um, so let's start with the confirmed bits on the private jet with him and in the facilities with him right now are two Jackson state head coach or Jackson state coaches, the cornerbacks coach, Kevin Mathis, who's been with Dion since the prep coaching years. Um, and the, oh my God, this is embarrassing. Linebacker's coach. Linebacker's coach. Thank you. Andre Hart. Andre Hart. Andre Hart. Yes. Who's the other coach. Um, and they've both been with him since the beginning. So I think those two are pretty much confirmed to stay. Um, and Twitter sleuths also found out that Kevin Mathis, like the week before Dion was announced, was already following DMing and talking with Jordan Tyson on Twitter. So pretty much know that Kevin Mathis is in there. Um, I will miss Rod Chance. That's too bad, but you know, you got a trusty guy. So um next up, other guys. Go ahead. 
I saw Rod Chance there today. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I like right. him. Really nice guy. And Mike Sanford. I mean, the humility in Mike Sanford as the interim to show up for his replacement press conference. I was incredible. shocked to see him. Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, and he was, and you know, he's a total homie about it. Um, say what you want. We should just find out a, a staff um, role for him, just as called homie. Um, let him go talk to the frat before every game, like he did. Head of the CU football frat relations. Yeah, department. exactly, exactly. Um, other staff members that have been rumored. So, football scoops reporting that CU is looking at Charles Kelly for a defensive coordinator role on staff. Charles Kelly is the current safeties coach for Alabama and has been since 2019. Before that, he was a defensive coordinator for Florida State for a few years um, under Jimbo Fisher and won a national title with them as a linebackers coach and recruiting coordinator. Before that, he was on Georgia Tech staff under Paul Johnson for about seven years. Um, So, you know, mostly Southern guy known as a recruiter first. So, you know, that's going to be Deion Sanders staff, I imagine, for the rest of this too. Um, And was okay as a D.C. at Florida State. Had, Had some issues. Well, they, that was a pretty successful Florida State team, though. Uh, mostly because of the offense. James Winston, of course, mm-hmm. and Dalvin Cook. They had a lot of talent on offense. But that was a really successful Florida State team. And Florida State hasn't been that good in a while. I do think it's interesting with some of the outside guys, outside of the Jackson State guys that he's targeted. They're heavy recruiting guys, which I thought I thought that Dion would go after more X's and O's types of coaches to fill in those roles. Cause I figured that he just does the recruiting himself, <laughs> but I'm, I'm impressed to see him also go after really, really high profile recruiters. As well. Yeah. Um, what's interesting here about what Chase just said is you look at what uh, Mario Cristobal is happening in Miami. <laughs> he wins games because of he recruits so well, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's his talent that wins, not as his X's and O's. Um, we can't say for sure that either way on Deion Sanders yet. Um, obviously he gets tremendous talent. I don't know how he is as an X's and O coach, um, but it would make sense just based off of his record at Jackson state going four and three, then 11 and two and 12 and O that he's going to be highly dependent on that talent, which lends to your point. You'd think he would go maybe some more X's and O's guys on the, on the staff. Um, And I, I don't think that Charles Kelly is just recruiting. I think Charles Kelly is an established like scheme defensive coach. And to your point, there's been rumors that the other guy, the other co-DC or whatever you want to call him, that is joining from Jackson State, is Dennis Thurman, who is Jackson State's current defensive coordinator and is like the definition of X's and O's. He might be able to recruit, I don't know. But even in the NFL, before his his time at Jackson State, he was the Bills defensive coordinator for two years, helped Stephon Gilmore flourish. He was the Jets defensive coordinator two years before that. He was the Jets secondary coach for five years before that right when Revis Island was at its fever pitch um, under Rex Ryan. And before that, he was with Rex Ryan at the, the Ravens as well. I think he actually was probably Deion Sanders' position coach at the Ravens. Um, I'm thinking about it now. But anyways, pure X's and O's guys right there. Like, that guy knows how to coach defense. Um, and that is he is also rumored to join Deion in Boulder. Um, rounding out the defensive staffs, so we have Kevin Mathis, Charles Kelly, Dennis Thurman, Andre Hart. Last guy, I think this is the best hire yet. Nate Williams coming from Texas A&M, not even an on-field coach. Nick, Nick Williams. Nick Williams. Nick Williams. Damn it. I thought he was my favorite. And I didn't even know his name. Um, right, not even an on-field. We have to worry about right now. That's right? happened to me so many times with girls, Jack. I thought you <laughs> didn't know my name. Jack Shapiro, right? Yeah, well, the president's office just thought my name was Jack, too. So. Jack Shapiro and Happy Jake Barr. Hey, man, I get it the other way a lot, um, especially because my legal name is John. It's a rough, it's a rough, rough world out here. Um, so – 
Anyways, Nick, not John, Jake, or Jack Williams, um, is coming from Texas A&M. He is a current analyst on staff. He's not even an on-field coach. However, I think this is the best hire Deion Sanders could have made for the job because he is the definition of recruiting analyst. Like, this dude gets guys on campus, and he brings them home. Um, he is re- he was on Georgia's recruiting staff before A&M poached him last year, and he got five stars there. He went to A&M. He got five stars at A&M, too. He is a young guy from Bainbridge, Georgia. I think he's... Finished playing up at Georgia in 2008, so he might have gone to Boulder for that matchup in 07 um, as part of Georgia's team. Regardless, um, young, like literally pure recruiting talent. Um, so he is responsible for three of Texas A&M's five stars that are currently in the transfer portal right now. One of them being a guy named Smoke Bowie, um, who is has some heat. Yes. To Boulder. Yes, you heard that right, Jake. I saw your face. I saw your face. You heard that. All right. name team, bring it back. <laughs> Smoke Bowie. Yeah, right Smoke after we got a commitment the other night from Whoopty. What was his name? Whoopty. Yes, Calhoun. I think Whoopty Calhoun. Calhoun. Whoopty Calhoun. I yes. wonder if uh, Lisa driving her Subaru uh, from Iris and Twenty Eighth will be able to pronounce that <laughs> one correctly. Oh man. Um, so, DL coach, I think he is going to immediately bring recruiting juice, and that is a hire you make for the recruiting juice. Um, so, defensive staff, I think, has a pretty nice mix of, of experience, heavy emphasis on recruiting, as I guess I expected. I wish there'd be more access to those guys just take care of it, but um, I expect at least the position coaches. He's, Dion's going to demand that you, you recruit your guys and you do well. Um, so, I don't know. Defensive side of the ball is a little bit more settled than the offensive side of the ball. I think it's a good mix. Yeah, I... I... I think this staff makes a lot of sense. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. It does sound like Nick Williams will be defensive line, but I think it'll yes. be interesting to see what his actual official role is. He'll definitely be recruiting coordinator. Yes. Uh, but there was some talk that he could just have an off-the-field role as well. Um, I don't think the rumors have been like that, though. The, the most recent rumors. Okay. Uh, if if CU's out here approaching A&M off-field staff or CU off-field staff, we are in a different world. Um, And, and obviously we are based off of Dion and everything else. Uh, and, and part of this is because CU football is just so desperate. They're going to let Dion do whatever he wants. Yep. Um, but secondarily, we haven't seen the thing that we've seen with every coaching hire since Gary Barnett and Bill McCartney, which is, oh, we're bringing in these three assistants because they work for some guy who worked for some guy who worked at CU 25 years ago. Right. Yep. Like, <laughs> like that was our assistant staff was like, oh, he was in Boulder two times and he liked it. So now he's an assistant coach. Like, I think if you look at the current CU assistant coaching staff and then what's about to be the assistant coaching staff, the only guy I know for sure that'll probably be transferring over is Darian Hagan, right? Well, that is not rumored. Yeah. So good transition, Jake. Thank you. The offensive side of the ball. Um, We have a guy named a running back coach named Flea Harrell that is coming from Jackson State, rumored to take that running back coaching job. Um, The offensive line coach also coming from Jackson State. It's like it's not Mike Munchak, but it's like Mike Munchak as a name. Um, And he was he was the uh, offensive line coach for Arkansas under Houston Nutt. Um, Mike Markison. Mike Markison. Thank you. Um, Also coming from Jackson State. We have wide receiver is up in the air right now, um, as is offensive coordinator. So, and, and quarterbacks coach, we do think we know, also coming from Jackson State. Uh, Brett Bartalone is his name, former Washington State wide receiver. I think he's like 30. Um, and he's Jackson State's current OC and quarterbacks coach. I think he's just taking the quarterbacks coach role 
at uh, at Colorado. But it makes sense to me that Dion would try to surround Shadur with familiarity. Um, and it, obviously, their relationship works at the current level. So, I, I, and what a what a uh, nice surprise that the quarterbacks coach coming from Jackson State happens to be a former Wazi wide receiver that may have some Pac-12 familiarity. Um, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, when I was doing some research on him, I was like, all right, he might be a little young, a little inexperienced to be the offense coordinator, the play caller, but um, definitely a great offensive mind, you can tell. And I've always wanted to see like how an air, more air raid directed offense would look at Colorado just because of the elevation and you're using that to your advantage if you're playing an up-tempo style of football and obviously throwing it all over the field. You need a good quarterback to do that. CU really hasn't had one to be able to have a good air raid offense. But I, I am intrigued by that. We'll see who the offensive coordinator, actual play caller ends up being. But um, Bartolone and his understanding of the pass game and offensive football, I think will help a ton. And his familiarity with Shador. I think you, Shador needs to be as comfortable as possible. Yep. Um, we need to make that kid happy. You heard it here first. Chase wants Chev back as offensive coordinator. There we I go. Was just Tech about to air raid offense. So some, there's an air raid mind, huh? Um, we thought so and then never ran an air raid offense. Another pro transition by me, Audio Pro. Um, someone who coached with Chev as the outside receivers coach while Chev was inside receivers coach at Texas Tech. That was literally breaking news as we're recording this, being rumored for the Colorado OC job, is a guy named Eric Morris. Um. NFL guy broke this news, so who knows if that's true. There's been a few names connected to the OC opening so far, one of them being Tony Alford, who's Ohio State's running backs coach, CSU alum, one of them being Willie Simmons, who's a current um, Florida A&M head coach and has had offenses be successful everywhere he's been. This is late-breaking. Eric Morris is another potential name to look out for here, 37 years old, Washington State's current offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So once again, new world out here. If we're poaching current Pac-12 offensive coordinators for a lateral move, the hell are we doing? Eric Morris also took himself out of the running for the Texas State head coaching job. So he was almost a head coach this cycle, took himself out of the running. Um, I think actually Texas State did a pretty good job um, recovering from that. But definitely an air raid guy. And if you watch Washington State at all in the last like a million years, yeah, he's, he's going to throw the ball around the yard. He was on that uh... – ridiculous Michael Crabtree, Texas Tech, Mike Leach team. Yes, he was. Um, so you want to talk about a high-powered offense. That's one of the best offenses I've ever seen in college football. So that, yep. that's, I mean, he was the head coach of Incarnate Word too. So anytime you can get Incarnate Word in here. Chance Main also, there's a connection. Um, but more <laughs> importantly, uh, Incarnate Word has actually kind of been like everywhere because isn't Texas Tech's current offensive coordinator, wasn't he the quarter, or the OC at Incarnate Word? Zach Kitley, am I making that up? Uh, no, Houston Baptist. Houston Baptist, yes. And G.J. Ken, I think, is uh, a name connected to the Tulsa head coaching job, uh, who was at Incarnate uh, Ward as well. Washington State has a quarterback from Incarnate Ward. That's right, Cam Ward, Mm -hmm. who was very fun to watch. Um, But we don't need him anymore. So, in general, that offensive staff is a little bit more green. Oh, and that's the last name I forgot to mention. Tim Brewster, tight end coach, also coming in from Jackson State. That one makes sense on a lot of levels. Tim Brewster failed as the head coach in Minnesota, but I'm not going to hold that against him as a position coach. He is known as a heavy, hardcore recruiter, and he did a great job. I believe he was at Michigan before he took that Minnesota job um, as, a, as a head coach. Another fun little factoid for you. I'm sure that both of you are already on this. 
played college football with McGeorge. They both played together at Illinois. Um, so that might be the other OG connection. But yeah, Tim Brewster was the associate head coach for Florida when Kyle Pitts was there, was the tight end coach for Kyle Pitts before he was at Jackson State. Before that, he was at North Carolina, AM, Florida State, Mississippi State, Minnesota head coach, Denver Broncos tight end coach from 05 to 06. The dude's been everywhere. Um, and He's he is known as a a dogged recruiter, and that's how he keeps getting these incredible jobs. Yeah, he he will recruit his ass off in Boulder. And yeah, he is. a well known football coach, uh, just one of those names that like most assistant coaches I'm not going to know unless they're coordinators. But most position coaches I'm not going to know. I knew Tim Brewster uh, just because of how successful he was at Florida, and mm-hmm. obviously very well known, great coach, uh, and has really been done a good job of developing tight ends. So I think there's a lot to be excited about there. And yeah. it's a resume that CU has not had a tight end coach in a long time. Yeah. I um, like Patterson, but um, I like Clay Patterson too. That, Patterson might have been the first lateral move tight end coach that they've had in a while. Everybody else was like starting their first job. And we've been saying this for a while too. When's the last good tight end that we've had? Like we haven't had a good tight end in Boulder in forever. It's got to be Scoot Hernandez, 2012. Where's my, where are my Ryan Greer fanboys at? Shout out to the Greer fan club. Oh boy. But this tight end room is really talented. If you're looking at one position that might be able to keep some guys around, right. I do like this tight end. The only I, spot that doesn't need a complete overhaul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like Eric Olson a lot. I do like Caleb Fourier a lot. Um, and those are both definitely like power five level athletes. But um, I will also say Tim Bruce has been very active this week recruiting for Colorado. Just just today, a four-star LSU tight end was offered by CU. Uh, and a four-star uncommitted Georgia tight end also offered by CU today. So, um, I don't know. Bruce is already out there actively recruiting. He knows the deal. Um, and if that's the offensive staff, if Eric Morris is in fact the hire, it's definitely going to be an air raid uh, attack. And and with a quarterback like Shadour Sanders, that works. Um, like like Jake mentioned, not having Darian Hagan as a running backs coach is going to sting a little bit. I personally love the job he always does, and love that he is a a program guy through and through. But we've seen this before, and Mike McIntyre was hired. Um, Andy LaRussa was a running max coach when he first came in. So there's a name for you, blast from the past. Darren Hagen just slid right into that AD role um, and then was brought back out of retirement when LaRussa left, as did Gary Bernardi, to come back and, and overhaul that offensive staff. Um, I think that might be in the cards again. I'd be totally fine with Darren Hagen being a liaison, whatever you want to call him, give him the cushy AD gig, whatever, um, and let Dion do his thing. Flea Harrell's an interesting name as well. He's kind of been... I don't know. He has a better re- uh, resume than I expected for the Jackson State RB coach. And, and that's kind of the deal it. with yeah, that's kind of the deal with a lot of these Jackson State guys. They've got a great reputation, or they've been to a lot of spots. Mostly, these aren't like regular, you know, FCS or yeah, FCS coaches coming up, right? Like these are a lot of guys that have money and have experience because of jackson state had money and were able to give guys that were maybe not in or norm, normal circumstances going to take a job like that take that job just because mm-hmm. of Dion. we're going to see that here too yeah this isn't like mac mike mike mcintyre's staff at san jose state it's not even close it's way better what's what's ken bear up to let's get him back here um yeah so the other the other thing note about flea Harold is he was the interim coach when Dion sanders was in the hospital uh, in 2021 for a little bit so definitely a trusted guy for Deion Sanders. The last thing I wanted to mention about the Jackson State staff is Deion is recommending that the wide receiver coach, TC, keeps the job there. So he, his official recommendation to the AD is that 
the wide receiver coach gets the interim tag rem- or gets whatever you want to call it removed and becomes a head coach. We'll see if that happens. Um, but he is expecting not to bring his whole staff. Um, and I, I think the guys he targeted outside of the, the Jackson State staff are honestly, I, I mean, I like most of those names. Um, Charles Kelly, I'm like a little bit iffy on, but you know, if his greatest sin is he had an average power five defense, an average power five defense next year for CU would be a miracle. So. An average power five defense that won the national championship, right? <laughs> well, one year, to, yes. Went, yes. went to a couple, went to multiple. And, and, you know, it's been rumored, or not rumored, it's been reported that the, the end of Jimbo Fisher's tenure at Florida State was just a complete disaster, uh, like administratively on all fronts. So hard to blame anyone other than Jimbo and the FSU admin um, for the results near the end of the his run there. But Plus, with Dennis Thurman coming as well, I'm not worried about Charles Kelly, I think both of them combine as absolute powerhouses on the defensive side. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so, you know, overall, I, I think that's one of the best first staffs we've seen in a long time at, in Boulder. Um, and I think they obviously are going to prioritize recruiting hard. As Chase hinted earlier and, and blew up my spot, I was going to get to that, talking about the pair, players overall. Well, hold on. Um, I just want to put on the assistant coaching because Brian Howell literally just reported this from the Daily Camera. Yes. They've given Sanders $5 million for his assistant staff pool, which is up from the record high that they already had at $4 million. So they're already putting money into that staff, and we're already seeing the benefits as we just ran through the entire staff for you. Yeah, and absolutely. That was a very key negotiating tactic when trying to get uh, Coach Prime. That was one thing he really wanted. And I, I believe, from what I've heard, that Colorado was able to offer the highest assistant salary pool out of his main three options, Cincinnati and South Florida. Really? More than Cincinnati? That's what I've heard. But we'll see. We'll see. what Has Cincinnati made a hire yet? They haven't, right? Uh, it's rumored to be announced tomorrow during their basketball game. So don't mind me. I'm just over here obsessively following every other coaching search that may have also looked at Deion Sanders. But, um, yeah, USF ended up with Alex Golesh, who I thought was going to go to Cincinnati. So USF actually kind of fell into a pretty good spot. Alex Golesh is the offensive coordinator at Tennessee right now. Cincinnati appeared to be down to Alex Golesh in a mystery final candidate. That was rumored to be either their current OC named Gino, some other Italian last name, or um, uh, Sean Lewis, who's a head coach at Kent State and was actually a name mentioned for CU's job uh, at the very beginning of this process. I'm guessing they're going to introduce Sean Lewis tomorrow during the basketball game, and there might be booze there because they could do better. I thought they would do better, but, you know, I guess if they're not offering $5 million a year, I don't know. When Mike Bone leaves, school struggle. What can I say? (laughs) <laughs> he is yeah he is the the magic potion everywhere but here interesting um so yeah i don't know cincinnati i thought would have the money especially because they seemed to be in a really good spot and i don't know whatever that's 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 very interesting to me chase that cu was was pony of the most cash and further reinforces i think the most exciting about this whole bit thing about this whole deal which is just that the administration is putting the weight behind the football program again um I think I want to talk a little bit about because this is part the, the reason you hire Deion Sanders in my mind is for the recruiting. So I do want to talk a little bit about the recruiting. Um, like I've mentioned before, CU now has a pretty good staff in place. They have the money in place. Some of the NIL stuff is is starting to get going for CU. Um, and they also happen to have, in my opinion, the best recruiter in the country at head coach. And we are seeing that pay off pretty much right away. Um, so like Chase mentioned, um, the cousin of Sammy Watkins, Winston Watkins, a five-star receiver for the class of 2025 did not take long. Announced his commitment to CU this morning, 10 hours after Deion Sanders was hired. 
Um, and that he is currently slated to be CU's high, third highest rated recruit of all time, according to 247 Sports right now. Um, so it does not take long for that recruiting effort to happen, but it is well underway. Um, and, and CU's swimming in deeper waters than they were for the last two years. So um, I remember when the top receiver recruit that we had was Shea Fields and we were really excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, that was a late flip from USC slash USC backed off a little bit. And I was excited. That was it. Yeah, it was too. <laughs> Shout out Nick Fisher, my first recruit I fell in love with, and I paid it paid off, baby. What's Nick Fisher up to these days? Um, so also coming, we know for sure, Shador Sanders is quarterback one. He is a pretty big recruit. He was offered by Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, coming out of high school with an elite eleven camp. Um, I watched a little bit, and yes, this is upsetting as well. I watched three hours of Jackson's playing Southern um, yesterday in the SWAC Conference Championship um, just to see what was happening. Shador Sanders, I think, has a lot of skills that translate, and he is probably the best quarterback on paper CU's had for a long, long time. Um, just watching him, he is definitely the calmest quarterback in the pocket CU's had since at least Bobby Pesavento. Like, that dude is cool in the pocket, and that just, I, I don't know, I haven't seen that for a long time. Um, have you, either of you seen him play at all? You didn't think Brendan Lewis was very cool in the pocket? I, I, Ralphie Point still Brandon, Report, Brandon Lewis podcast. Ralphie Report is still a Brendan Lewis podcast. That's all I'm going to say about that. No, yeah. Shador is by far the best quarterback this year. <laughs> in at least 10 years, probably closer to 20 years. It, you know, it depends on what you say by quarterback. I I will always love Sefa Lufau, but he was not a guy that you trust to stand in the pocket and, like, just deliver dime after dime. He did that sometimes, but I didn't trust him to do that a lot of the time. Shador Sanders, I think, just pure arm talent. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen a dude like that. And if he translates, come into Boulder. So let me tell you about Shador. Shador is the highest rated prospect Colorado has had in over 20 years. Granted, it's a transfer. So it's it's different. Quarterback quarterback prospect. Um, Shador, in his two seasons at Jackson State so far, has thrown for over 3,000 yards in both year with almost a 70% completion rate. Good God. In both years, did, did this past year. Uh, touchdown to interception rate is just absurd. I think it was like 38 to 6 this year. And granted, he's playing lower level. Um, so some of those stats are going to be boosted. But let me ask you guys this. Do either of you guys know the last Colorado quarterback that threw for 3,000 yards in which season that was? I'm going to guess Sefa Lufau 2013. No, no, 2014. Yep, bang on, Jack. Wow. Yes, he was hurt and he was hurt and missed a couple of games both his uh, junior and senior year. Um, and Cepho is the best quarterback by far I have seen at Colorado. It's not even close. Montez had maybe more talent, but Cepho was the complete package in terms yeah. of what it, when it came to game days. Um, Shador maybe doesn't have the looking like a nose tackle and is going to get you a couple yards up the middle that Cepho has. Um, but what I've seen and heard about Shador is. He has that pocket presence like you guys talk about. He has that arm strength like yeah. you guys talk about. But the thing that Cepho had late in his career was that arm strength where he could sling it to the sidelines. Shador can do it about twice as quick. He's got yep. a better throwing motion. He's quicker with his decisions. This is like a real deal quarterback prospect, but it's also like the perfect level of quarterback prospect because it's not a guy who's going to leave after his junior year for the draft. Yep. And even if he had, let's say, a crazy Heisman year because Colorado is a national contender next year somewhere out of nowhere because that's the hype. <laughs> let's just say it is. We're in a world now with NIL 
that if Shador Sanders is a second round pick in the NFL draft, next NFL draft 2024, he may make more money by staying in Boulder, Colorado as an NIL guy uh, for his senior year. So I think we have landed at the absolute perfect quarterback to lead us for the next two years. I agree. And, and hopefully that? we don't and hopefully we don't end up in the Hawkins situation. <laughs> We're not, we weren't going to mention that, Jake. Come on, dude. I have to. I grew up watching. To be that. fair, Cody Hawkins was my choice for the second best CU quarterback in the last 20 I years. Almost, so, like, <laughs> I don't think he's supposed to be good, but I was trying to think of some good quarterbacks. Dude, there's um, these kids next to bananas that wear uh, at the games that wear Cody Hawkins shirts. And every time I see them, I want to be, I'm just like, you don't know what you are doing right now <laughs> and how much it bothers me. So, here's, you want to hear a fun stat? Go. Shadur Sanders has 36 passing touchdowns this year and six interceptions. Like Jake mentioned, really good results. See you over the last three years combined has 26 passing touchdowns. <laughs> over three years? Over three years. From 2020 to 2022. So since Montez left. Since Montez left. Okay. We have we have 26 passing touchdowns. Sam Neuer had six in 2020. We combined for 16 as a team in 2021 and 10 this year. So if we combine the three years of CU passing touchdowns with Russell Wilson's output this year, we still don't get Shador Sanders from this past. He is the best quarterback in the state of Colorado. People are saying <laughs> many, the streets are. are saying, um, so obviously a huge win there. The other big Jackson state name I want to mention, um, and everyone is probably going to mention is Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter is the number one recruit in the country in 2021. He surprised a lot of people by flipping from Florida state to Jackson state on signing day. A lot of people mentioned that it might have been Barstool NIL money that made him switch, as well as Deion Sanders NIL money. But either way, he played for Jackson State this year, both sides, cornerback and wide receiver. Um, and, you know, a lot of thoughts are that he will transfer somewhere now that Deion Sanders is gone. Don't know if it's to see you or not. I, at least I don't know yet. But um, would be another huge recruit that Deion Sanders would bring in. You know, last time CU brought in a number one overall recruit, Antonio Alfano, did not work out that well. I think it's a little bit of a different story, though. This one's a little bit more uh, reliable, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know what the right word is there, but there aren't any uh, off-the-field issues with this one, maybe we can say. Less, at least, at the very least. Um, and, and you know, Travis, yeah. I'm, I guess I should say that it was a red flag at the time that the number one recruit in the country was coming to see you the way that it happened. But this one is a little bit of a less red, uh, red flag. And he is an absolutely electric athlete. Um, so Chase, I don't know if you know more than I do about his chances of coming to Boulder, but, um, would immediately transform wherever, whatever position unit he's in just in terms of raw athleticism. I think it definitely seems like it's heating up. I was a little bit worried about it just when I had initially thought of Dion coming and then, Obviously, you think of Travis Hunter, and you're like, is he going to come with? And I'm like, well, you know, he could, but he might just want to go to Alabama or Georgia or even Florida State and just, like, stay in the South and do that instead. I, but, I am pretty confident saying he's not going to Florida State. Well, um, this The salt coming Florida State fans for Dion even begging, bothering to recruit Travis Hunter is enough for me to say that they will not welcome him if he doesn't right, go to Florida right. State. Right, more likely a Georgia or Alabama because he could go there right now. I think even Shador could go there right now probably. Mm -hmm. Because both of them are going to need a quarterback next season, uh, so yeah, you're looking at a guy that uh, is the number one, one of the best talents in the country, probably a likely top ten pick in the NFL draft when he's ready to go, which will be in two years, uh, and he's probably going to be the best talent that CU's seen in a really, really long time. I don't know if he'll play both ways at CU. I can't imagine he would. 
Uh, but he might, and you might throw him in there in, in some red zone situations or something at wide receiver. But I would think he'd be a cornerback for Colorado. I would think so too. And honestly, like if they're the amount of guys that they're going to get in the portal is going to be insane, especially with the way that they tr- change the transfer requirements. I think we're going to see an influx of guys. Um, Let's talk about some of those guys because that's where I'm getting really excited. Well, Chase. I'd already mentioned there's that um, wide receiver from South Florida that entered the portal. And right Joe now- Horn's son, if anyone remembers Saints oh. legend, Joe Horn brought the phone out of his sock, right? Isn't that Joe Horn? Didn't Joe Horn, wasn't he involved in the in the play uh, with a bunch of pitches uh, that ended up with them, should have been tying the game on the miracle. The pitch on play. the field? No, 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 no. This was the Saints-Titans, uh-huh. and then uh, the kicker missed the field goal to tie, and it's the only play in NFL history that's worked with, like, more than four pitches. Um, but I think oh, Joe fuck. Horn was involved in the play. I, he was anyway. a fantasy stalwart for me when I was young. Um, and also, disregard everything I just said. I was thinking of J.C. Horn, who is his actual son and not oh. uh, this transfer receiver. So I am incorrect, and that's my fault. But Joe Horn was a really good Moosin Muhammad to me. Moosin Muhammad, dude. Oh, my God. I saw his son Woo! running around the other day for Texas A&M, and I've never felt older. <laughs> wow, that's a name. Wow. Okay. Sorry. Um, yes. Yeah, so anyways, number one wide receiver in the transfer portal, right? Is is I think is, he's the number one player right now in 24 7 sports. Oh, right. really? All right. Um, and he is been, saying he's visiting and then deciding between this and once again, I say this to say that this is these are the waters that CU is is treading in now. So this Jimmy is Horn reality right here. Yeah, Jimmy Horn is deciding between Colorado, uh, I believe Georgia, Penn State, and Texas AM. Right? I think those are the four. Yeah. No, Colorado, Houston, Penn State, and Texas A&M. Those are the four programs. So like, I was talking to... Uh, what's Houston doing in the same yeah, sentence as Colorado right now? He might I be don't... from Houston. I don't know. <laughs> so I was talking to another media member today, and y'all can connect the dots on who this is, but I'm not going to reveal his name. Um, and he goes, yeah, you know, I kind of liked the last few years because you could just call recruits and it was their first interview and they were so excited to talk to somebody. <laughs> and uh, now I can't really get anyone on the phone. Any of these guys we're getting, I can't get on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's going to be so fun. It That's is going to be so fun. With kids that are getting probably 20 to More money than we're making. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah, okay. where people are paying them for those yeah. interview time, man. They don't want to do that yeah. for free. Exactly. They don't do anything for free. Uh, but we'll see what ends up happening in the transfer portal because because tomorrow's the big day. Everybody that is not a graduate transfer will officially enter the portal. And then there's going to be a lot of movement. And I'm sure I, I would expect CU to get somewhere in the range of 20 to 30 transfers. So I, I just learned this, actually, Chase. I don't know if you know this, but NCAA changed their transfer portal rule this offseason. I believe allowing unlimited transfers for first-year head coaches. Am I making that up? No, I I, I read that somewhere. I didn't know if it was true. You know, there's a lot of things I read, and I just take it. <laughs> I, I did read that somewhere. So last year, I believe the limit was 25, and Lincoln Riley bumped up against that limit. It sounds like this year there is no limit. In the words of Lindsay Lohan, the limit does not exist. I don't. I think Dion will absolutely take advantage of that. And like you mentioned, floodgates are opening tomorrow. Monday, floodgates are there. Like it, CU will be active with these relaxed transfer rules, with obviously the most publicized coach in the country, and we're gonna get some guys. So the other thing I want to mention: Nick Williams, AM staffer, close with Smoke Bowie, AM transfer. 
There's some other transfers. I need A&M. a smoke Bowie jersey, but I want a full name on the back. <laughs> I, all, I, look, I don't want to. I don't want to play in the national perception too much, but I have to imagine a guy named Smoke Bowie is going to do pretty well in the NIL world in Boulder, Colorado. I mm-hmm. have to imagine there's some potential. Oh, if that was legal. That was- <laughs> um. Anyways. Denver Harris, another name. Like head shops, right? I just don't think you can do for sure a marijuana company. I feel like Terrapin's the only one I would trust with the money that would uh, to put up to keep smoke. But maybe you know. Anyways, um, Denver Harris, another A and M cornerback, also entering the transfer portal. I mean, in my opinion, did some really dumb things this year with uh, how he acted publicly. But you know, Nick Williams is another connection there there's been some some twitter smoke around some of that is it possible that cu just pulls in travis hunter Denver harris and smoke Bowie all in the secondary in one class like that is transformational ground level transformational talent in the in like the first five minutes of Deion sanders head coaching career i don't know and that's just in one position group Absolutely. Are we yeah. be, do you think we'll be worried about character issues with guys or we just know that like Dion will figure that out he knows. He knows character. Okay, so oh, yeah. on the, let me let me say this because he, he he talked about this a lot in the press conference today. Having the type of guys that open up the doors for you. I'm old school. I'm not about the NIL. I'm the NFL. All kind of along those lines, right? I tend to believe him a little bit more than I've believed other people before because uh, if Deion Sanders is yelling at me to be a good human, I am going to be, maybe want to be a good human more if then Carl Durrell was telling me. Hey, you should open that door for some people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if we're going to be worried about character issues, which really is just a facade for saying, are we scared with the blackness of this football team? Um, I'm going to say no. This is our fourth black head coach in a row, I think, right? Or fourth out of the last five when you kind four of agree. Last five. Yep. Yeah, four out of the last five, three in a row. Um, I'm not I'm not scared of what Deion Sanders is bringing to Boulder. Like the clowns that have been in Boulder when Mike McIntyre <laughs> were here, like – those people, <laughs> like some of those dudes were so stupid. Remember that locker room? We were covering the team in 2017 and it wasn't black, white, Hispanic, non-Hispanic. It was just stupid people. Yeah. Like it was a lot of stupid <laughs> shit going on in that locker room, man. Um, so I'm not worried with what Deion Sanders might bring into Boulder or what their moralities might be or what their goals might be. I am of the belief that Deion Sanders is such a powerful figure that he can move the needle and get his program moving in the right direction, both on the field and off the field, if need be. And if that person doesn't want to join him, great. No single player on the Colorado Buffaloes football roster is going to be more important than Deion Sanders because he can go out and get another five star to replace you. Like they can get rid of any single player except for his son. Because it won't matter because they can just recruit over that guy again. So I'm not worried about what might be coming to Boulder. Frankly, I honestly look forward to it because to me, this might be the first opportunity Colorado Buffaloes football has had in years to connect with the community in a way that they just have not. I think Jake brings up a great point. And I want to shout out Buffnick fan on Buffnick on all buffs on Twitter, anywhere. He's just like, I, I agree with it takes a lot of time. He's just a dedicatedly come. But he put a tweet out before Dion was hired. I've talked with Chase about this tweet before. I think about it a lot. And I think about it even more on a day like today where he said, like, really? If you, I'm paraphrasing. But he, he talked about Deion Sanders being a pretty perfect distillation of Bill McCartney's legacy in Boulder. And I think what you said, just said, yeah. Jake, is, is a huge part of that. Of just thinking about what I just saw today, like, 
Bill McCartney broke down so many doors in Boulder about like just in general, just not being like Lily White Boulder. You know, first guy to hire a specific like black psychologist for his team because there were so many little racist things they were dealing with every day. Like, and he knew that, and he like there were he worked so hard, I think, to change a lot of how the community deals with people who aren't like them. And like, I, I don't know, I think about that a lot when I watch today's press conference. It's just like this is a pretty good. If you're going to honor Bill McCartney's legacy, this feels like a pretty straight line through Bill McCartney's legacy as Colorado head coach of like another, I mean, this, this, no one's going to mistake Deion Sanders for an X's nose coach first, at least, right? Like he's not tactician first. Like this guy is brought in to be a leader of men and not just on the football team. Like, I don't know the way that they're positioning him. I personally like it. He is brought in to change a lot of how Boulder operates around the CU campus and vice versa. I think like, it, it appears that they're trying to use Deion Sanders' power and star power and charisma to elevate overall, like, his mission and the university's mission, which I think is, like I said, really powerful and could be um, incredibly changing for the community as a whole, like like you said, Jake. So sorry to go on a rant, but... Um, no, it, it's completely right on, and, and Buff Nick had it, and I was thinking that, too. When I was watching that press conference today, I was thinking... No one has spoken the way he has since Bill McCartney mm-hmm. uh, quite that way. Mike McIntyre had a little bit of it, but a lot of it seemed fraudulent to me. And a lot of people got mad because I called BS on it. Um, see it in their eyes and whatever, you know, <laughs> Chase, Chase, Jack, I'm going to do it. So stop. Hashtag Jake was right. Hashtag Jake was right. <laughs> you can put it in the podcast description right now. The S in Sanders stands for I see it in his eyes. I see it in his eyes, guys. <laughs> Yeah, man. I yeah. I well. I I don't know. I feel like McIntyre did genuinely care about the team, but it there wasn't yeah. a connection to the overall. He didn't really. I, there wasn't a connection to like let's lift this university up through this team and through me. Um, and I feel like I don't know if Deion Sanders is going to do that. I don't know if he's going to be around enough to do that. But um, it certainly feels like they're positioning it to be that way. Um, and that I think he just the communication there. Um. It's going to resonate, and this is way far off from the recruiting conversation that started as, but CU's going to get dudes again. Like, to that point of being a distillation of McCartney's legacy, we're going to get dudes like that again. Not maybe to that level, but I don't know. CU's not going to settle for top 40 classes and Deion Sanders. I'm pretty confident in saying that. I think the term leader of men gets thrown around a lot when we talk about football coaches, especially college football coaches, um, and even in the NFL. I think we talk about that with Nathaniel Hackett. Um, and there's very few people that are actual leaders of men. And I think Deion Sanders is an actual leader of men. Like, is, is Mel Tucker a truly leader of men? Do people really follow him into a fight? Was Mike McIntyre a leader of men? People quite literally followed Mel Tucker away, <laughs> away to fight. Away to fight. Um, but here and, and, nice and aside good. from the leader of men thing, and you just talked about getting dudes, um, Colorado basketball right now, yeah. their class coming into next year right now is 17 over under 16 and a half is the recruiting class ranking for Colorado Buffalo's football. When signing day happens on December 21st, does the football team out recruit basketball? Not including transfers. I'm taking the, I guess under, so like worse than that. I yeah. Guess that might be, yeah. So I'm taking worse than that if we don't include transfers. 
it'll depend on how many he's able to get rid of from the current class. Because you have 20 commits right now, right? I think, is it still at 20? Maybe even 21? Uh, you uh-huh. have to cut that into at least half to be able to get into the top 25. I mean, we just talked about his team meeting. I don't think he's going to pull punches, dude. No, I, I think he's going to pull no, punches. No, that's what I'm saying. And if he, so if he is able to cut it, oh, he's already at 25. Wow. Okay. Uh, no, this was for this is Owen McCown included. So uh, it's at twenty. It's at twenty. We had twenty hard commits. And you, you know what's funny about this? And the first thing I think about when you talk about pulling back scholarship offers and stuff is who is the kid in this class that Carl Durrell and staff recruited that somehow still gets a scholarship to CU and ends up being great. Who is the Phil Lindsay? Who is mm. who is the Cheeto Beowuzie? Who is the Sefa Lufau of this class that ends up somehow surviving into Dion and goes, oh, crap, this is a way better situation for me. I vibe with this coach and then ends up being just an awesome player because there's going to be one at least. I I mean, I personally am a, a pretty big fan of, of Jordan Anavuge who came in from on Hawkins. I think that um, would have been late. Yeah. Just started playing football late from Matter Day. He's starting at Matter Day. If you can start there, you're going to play college football pretty well. Um, but, yeah, there's going to be one of them. Um, and I don't know. I feel like CU is absolutely going to process, Chase. I would – I mean, let's do another over-under. What do we say? Like 10? Over-under 10 of the current commits actually signing? Yeah, that's what I said at yesterday on a, on a message board or something. I, I think it's 10. I think that makes sense. So if you cut it in half and you're able to bring in 15 of Dion's recruits, I do think you get in the top 25. Do you beat out 17? It would have to be some really good recruits. You need two to three five stars. Well, I mean, are we talking about really good recruits here? Yes, yes. I, I think – are we going to do that bet as well? He's definitely going to land a five-star in this class. That well, we've insane. already got the number one recruiting class in the country in 2025. So That's right. Let's start. Which by both of our by all of our estimations, Dion might not even be here, but uh that's right. Leaving a legacy. <laughs> so as we're talking, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but contract details were just uh mentioned by Brian Owl for Deion Sanders. So five-year deal. Uh looks like five million base that increases um every year. Um buyout is fifteen million dollars for the first year, which will scare off. Decent amount of teams, not that many. I mean, not like the high-level teams if they're trying to go for Dion his first year, but $15 million first year, $10 million his second year, $5 million flat after that. Um, and if C- Dion, if CU owes, fires Dion, they owe 75% of the contract flat. I believe, the remaining contract salary numbers. Um, and since the pool, like Jake mentioned, is $5 million. So I don't know if that was at the press conference, but I just saw that coming across from Twitter. Um, no, and so, that's the first time any of this is reported as well as the bonuses, which there's, he makes a three quarters of a million dollar. If he wins the national championship, the football team even wins six games. He gets 150 K. Um, there's some interesting nice. bonuses in here. And one thing I've learned with CU over the years is, you know, no one wants to do today as the introductory press conference day is the day we talk buyouts, but it's prudent to talk buyouts yeah. because we, we, we <laughs> never do seen it. Worth it. Um, one of the things Rick George actually said today, uh, which is fascinating and kind of hilarious because it's classic Rick George is, quote, we don't have the money yet, but I know we'll have it. <laughs> so I'm not worried about that piece. So they don't currently have the money to honor their contract to Deion Sanders. Um, does it matter? Will they have to pay the whole thing? Probably not. That's what it means by we know we'll be all right. 
Um, but he also didn't have the money to build the IPF, and that somehow got finished. Yeah. So maybe it'll be all right. Rick's buying low on FTX, baby. That's it. That's his moonshot. <laughs> I heard Dogecoin's gonna get a little bump <laughs> yeah. by yeah. the dip. Now's the time, man. Um yeah, so that that contract, I'm glad that the buyout is in the double digits because Mel Tucker's was, as we all know, comically low and very easy for Michigan State to clear. Um, that 15 million is going to give a lot of teams pause if they do try to go for Dion. And if this is as transformational as we are talking about. Um, so, you know, I've taken a lot of time here and I appreciate you both hopping on. Um, today I thought was incredible and obviously just a huge step forward. Looks like we're all pretty much undeniably positive about this hire. I don't know how you couldn't be. Um, I'm going to play a dumb game at the end here then. Um, and let's look at the 2023 schedule. So, I I think I probably want to do an over under on games, but let's just let's oh, just look at the, the the teams that are coming and the teams that C is playing. Starts out with a tough one. Um, have playoff no idea team. roster is going to look like. Today. I said it's I said it's dumb. I said it's dumb. Um, but it's fun. So next year, TCU on the road to start it off. That's the first week, and they are a current college football playoff team. So that is not a easy landing for our coach, but he's a Dallas legend. Um. Then we have is Duggan uh, back? I I don't know. I mean, like like Jake said, it's hard to tell when people graduate these days. So it feels like he's been there eight million years, but he might have another year. I don't know. Um, Nebraska comes to Folsom Field the the week after that. That game, as we all know, is going to sell out regardless. It is going to super sell out. Um, it's going to super sell out now with. Dion and Matt Rule. Um, and Nebraska looks like they're going to be in for a deeper rebuild now that Mickey Joseph and Mickey Joseph's recruits have both departed Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, next week is CSU at home again. Resumption of the rivalry. Pretty pretty big stage for Dion's first three games. There's at least two W's there. Why are they playing that game? We're <laughs> we're not we're national championship contender again. Why are they playing CSU? <laughs> I'm bringing back the take, Jack. <laughs> now we can just embarrass him, though. Yeah, it'll be fun. So, you know, I, I don't want to talk shit about other people, but I did listen to Cover 3 Emergency Podcast. Cover 3 Podcast, I enjoy most of the time. Some pretty good national writers from there. It's Tom Fernelli, Bud Elliott, some guys I like. Um, Tom Fernelli had a, had a comment in the Cover 3 Podcast, the Emergency Podcast last night about Deion Sanders, where he said, that's a really tough non-con. I think CSU is going to be better the next year. And my shock, I, I, in utter shock and disbelief, I'm sitting in this exact chair and I'm thinking, and we're not? What are we talking about here? We're both terrible this year. We know that. You tell me that Jane Norvell is going to upgrade his roster quicker than <laughs> Deion Sanders? Oh my God. I got so mad reading, hearing that. Oh man. Don't even get me started. We'll definitely be better. They're not going to be pulling in the transfers or the recruits. That I expect pulling. CSU to be better than this year. They were really, really bad this year. So was CU. I, once again, am going to bet that Deion Sanders is going to immediately upgrade the talent this roster faster than Nebraska or CSU can. I don't know. I'm obviously very bullish right now, but I'm seeing two and one in the non-con. And those two wins are the ones that count. We have game on the non-con schedule this next year. We didn't have that this year. Uh, is this a CSU thing? That's another CSU show. Nice. Um. <laughs> It, at home, see hey, low playing. key, low key. I wonder if they sneak Jackson State onto the schedule in the next few years. Would be a nice gesture. Um, would, would be, be a nice gesture. Based on what they said, today, probably have to go play at Jackson, but that'll be fine. 
Yeah, you know, it, what what has gone wrong with CU going to an HBCU and, and playing a game? There's, there hasn't been any recent yeah, disaster I, or anything. With, the Boston always done well on the road. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's not like the Pac-12 lost the season series against the SWAC recently in a, in a revenue sport. It's not like that happened. Um, All right, we're more SWAC than anyone now. Anyways, uh, at home, conference play, we have Arizona, Oregon State, Stanford, USC visiting end of home games. So I think that's four. I'm bad at math. Yeah, it's four home games next year. Looks like one losable game to me. All the other <laughs> wins. So four and one at the minute. Stanford is in a rough spot right now. They're talking about hiring Greg Roman, guys. Greg Roman for Stanford. Oh, is he the guy selling the pills? <laughs> he hasn't coached in college in a while, right? Or has he coached in college? He has not coached in college since he was the tight ends coach for Jim Harbaugh. And then Jim Harbaugh took the 49ers job. And Greg Roman went with him. Um, Greg Roman is the current offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. That same offense scored 10 points today. So, um, she, you know, going to gonna do great. Um, Arizona, I'm not worried about one bit. Oregon State, I have no idea what they're losing. But this better. year, they were incredible. Mm-hmm. Arizona should be better. And, I like, Jed Fish is doing an okay job. They're not going to be at the level of what we are, which is just I can't even believe it. Isn't I, that fun? That out Isn't that house. fun? They're going to be um, better. They're not going to be us good. Exactly. Chip Patterson of the Cover 3 podcast, I thought, made a great point of, I don't know how quickly NFCU can, under Dion hit that Utah, Oregon, USC tier. I'm not expecting it. But I think they can pretty quickly vault over the Washington States, the Arizonas, the Arizona States, the Cals of the world, at least on the talent. Um, yeah, in the Oregon States. Mm-hmm. Um so Stanford's a mess. USC is going to be really, really hard next year. Caleb Williams, junior year. They might actually have an offensive line for him this time, which would be cool. Um, and, you know, they're they're reloading. USC is going to be good. So, well, On the road. We're going to be 7-0 for that game when we play USC? I don't know if it's – I don't know if we have a, a, a week for that. But uh, oh, I'm expecting okay. us to be top five. Um, on the road, we have ASU under new coach Kenny Dillingham. And NCAA sanctions. Um, Oregon, UCLA, Utah, and Washington State. Um, so if you notice, we, we swapped out two Pac-12 formerly North teams, right? We swapped out Cal and we swapped out Washington for Stanford and Washington State, which I think is a net huge win for CU um, in terms of ease of schedule. So do you see any road wins on the schedule this year, including TCU? I don't. ASU, I think you can win. Yeah. Do we think that Kenny Dillingham is going to keep some of that current talent? They're probably going to be a bull band, so that's going to make it hard. I don't know. know. The the way that ASU thing is going to go, at least in my mind, is you're going to go to CUASU. That game's going to be on 8 o'clock ESPN kickoff. They're going to make a whole big deal of it. It'll probably be when the buffs are 3-2 and or something like that. I don't know. Just making up early on in the season. and. I, I think that the momentum going into that game is going to make it very hard for CU to lose against ASU. That's that's the win on the road I see, um, at least in Tempe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the only one I can I can imagine. I don't know. What, I guess the other thing I can think about, and I this I underestimated them for like four years, but I just still don't trust them. UCLA is losing like everyone, right? DTR is gone. Please tell me Charbonnet is gone. Yeah, he probably has eligibility. Oh, God. And the thing with UCLA is, like, I know it didn't happen this year, but historically, CU has randomly played UCLA really well. 
Those of us remember that uh, 2015 CU would have beat the brakes out of UCLA if UCLA didn't outscore CU in the red zone. If I don't know if you guys remember that, but that was the game that Sefo threw two pick sixes in the all-white unis in the 10-yard yep. line, which means that CU had six points, UCLA had 14 points when CU was in the red zone. That's a card breakout game. And that came a year after the overtime, the what, the yep. quadruple overtime game, triple overtime game? Yep. Where Tedrick Thompson got carted off. Yeah. Yeah. The whole student section moved. Yep. Yeah. That 8.30 p.m. kick in Pullman is not going to be fun with it snowing and Shador. Hey, but if we take their OC, man. (laughs) But if we take their OC. um, Utah, of course, they're just going to continue to beat the brakes off us until we can can get tough. Man, they are just – that is a program that you just want to emulate. Man. We are we're doing the opposite. I mean, see, doing the opposite, which in a way is emulation, I guess. But yeah, Utah is still going to be pretty good, and Oregon is still going to be Oregon. I don't know if Bonex is eligibility left, but Dan Lanning has that thing moving, and I guess we'll see how they recover from D- Dillingham. I heard the the Irish. Go ahead. It's crazy that the title of this podcast is not going to be Deion Sanders hired at CU. We're so excited. It's going to be I don't know if anyone has eligibility left. <laughs> <laughs> But there's no way Bo Nix is eligible. There's there can't, can't be. There's no way. There's no way. Um, I don't think so. I mean, grad transferred, and we should be like at normal time now. But I don't know. What I saw from Ty Thompson when Bo Nix was hurt, I think Sio could be just fine at Oregon. They'll probably find somebody in the portal and have a new. So, and the rumor was that Oregon's going to hire Joe Brady as their OC. That oh, did not happen. He, he shot that down pretty fast. Yeah, that did not happen. Because Joe Brady heard that he was expected to recruit, and he said, no, 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 no. That's not me. No, no, no. Don't say that's me. Um, so it depending on who they get. I've heard Dan Mullen there, but I've also heard Dan Mullen for Scar's offensive coordinator position. And uh, if they get Dan Mullen, I'm terrified of that game. But, yeah, I don't know. Next year's schedule is going to have a lot of publicity naturally. I, I don't know. It, it. I guess. Let's see. I'll, I'll try to transition this into a full wrap-up. But – Timing works out really well for this hire, right? Like, if you're going to hire Deion Sanders, this is the offseason to do it, I think. Um, and, and ahead of a new media deal for the Pac-12 and with this conference uncertainty, just in terms of, like, money, ahead of an incredible schedule with Nebraska and CSU at home, um, ahead of, I guess, what looks to be a college football playoff expansion that lets any old team, if they win their conference, in. This is the time as Rick George said in the press conference, to go all in. Um, And I think they did with the right person. I I think CU is uniquely positioned now to be successful in a way that I did not think was possible a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, a year ago. Um, And I am just, I don't know. I'm excited that CU decided to be the one to to make this move. Um, I read Pat Ford's article, Pat Forty's article this morning about Deion Sanders and like I think I think I agree with a lot of his sentiments and he said it better than I could where I think he said for some reason people were scared to hire Deion Sanders and you know he made some pretty educated guesses as to why they might be scared to hire Deion Sanders but Hugh Freeze is it's a total fine hire um <laughs> and he said that I he said something I agree with where if this works out for CU and I think we all think this will at least in our expectations work out for CU a lot of schools are going to look really dumb by letting Colorado with no connections hire this guy. Um, 
I think it's the end of my wrap up. It's like, I just think we're going to make a lot of schools look really dumb in the next few years. Um, and I'm excited that I can say that the assholes are back, baby. Oh, we're about to be such a mess. Like catch us <laughs> in Vegas in, in March for the tournament. Catch us in, in Vegas again the next year for the Pac-12 tournament. Like we're about to be the worst fan base. The fan base that was promised to the Pac-12 and Larry Scott 20 years ago almost now, yeah. uh, 15 years ago, whatever it was. We're about to be that fan base. And, you know, I, I'm just going to be glad to have that for as long as it's, it, it happens. Who knows how long he's going to be here, how long it happens. But you're completely right, Jack. This was not only the perfect time. It was the only time for this to happen. CU's level of desperation with people being simply scared to hire a black man to coach a team in 2022, 2023. Like, and Rick George, honestly, having the balls. Like, I'm not the one who gives Rick George credit for things, but Rick George had the balls to go do this and shake up a lot of things. So he deserves a hat tip big time here. Um, But when we look at, the Colorado Buffaloes football program moving forward, a lot of this is going to come down to this season, right? Like it's going to come down to what strides can they make in the next 12 months? Where do they end up in the next 12 months? That schedule is absolutely perfect for eyes to be on the Colorado Buffaloes football program. Mm -hmm. The coach is perfect for the eyes to be on the Colorado Buffaloes football program. 2024 represents that opportunity to get back in the national promise. Chase, you and I were talking about just months ago, Colorado is going to get left behind. Colorado Mm -hmm. is going to be behind on every single part of this. NIL, they were left behind. Conference changing, they were left behind. They made the bad decision and then they were left behind. Um, And then this magical door, this Hail Mary door, this Hail Mary door, to say it correctly, opens up with Deion Sanders. And there's all, all of a sudden a chance that Colorado football can be great again. Like, when we sat down and talked to Colorado Buffalo's football, maybe just six months ago, eight months ago, guys, I'll be honest. This was the first year I didn't show up to a game since I moved to Colorado. Mm. I was done. It was over. Like the death sentence was, you know, being hammered on by the judge and the Buffalo's (laughs) nail was in the coffin and we were done. Like our football program was done. I don't know that we'll ever get back to where we think we should be or where we think we can be, but there's hope. There is a chance And there should be no chance, given what we've been through (laughs) in the last 20 years, that we have any hope of getting back to where we should believe we think maybe we should be. So the fact that we even have hope to get back to promise and to, to being a top 25 team is crazy. Like none of this, like guys. If I would have asked you when Carl Durrell was fired, when's the next time we win six games, you guys would have put it a couple of years out. Now we're yep. talking about, hey, maybe we can go in the college football playoff in two years. Like, <laughs> yep. what What the hell, guys? What the hell? Yep. It's impossible for my brain to really comprehend the gravity of this entire thing. We talk about all the different implications and basically how our, at least for us three, how much our lives are going to change over the next few years. Uh-huh. You guys get season tickets yet? I, no, I tried to renew today and uh for some reason it seems like the site was overloaded so i will try oh, again tomorrow what that, why that could be um but yes i am renewing my tickets as i have before but this time it is less of a oh god i have to do this don't i and more of a like hell yeah i got in cheap um you know what's funny uh for years ryan koningsberg our friend over at dnvr has said uh, don't plan weddings in the fall. You're not, you know, your friend, real friends don't plan weddings in the fall. Cause you got to go to buffs games. Yep. I'm planning my wedding right now. And I was like, well, if I were to ever plan a fall wedding, it would be now because Colorado Buffalo's football is irrelevant. 
And I still said, you know what? Just in case, I'll do the summer wedding. I will see you Let's guys September 9th, <laughs> September 16th. Yeah. I will be there. Yes. <laughs> Prime time is the right time. Thank you once again, Jace and Jake, for all of your time. Um, you can find a lot of Jake's work at 104.3 The Fan. Um, and I, are you writing for them or on air, or on air talent or both? I, I do whatever Pat, you know, cash at the checks, denverfan.com. Check out our work. If you, if you can't stand our Broncos takes, there's a lot of stuff going on. That's <laughs> not Broncos written by me on our website and also our digital channel. So check that out. That's correct. And if you guys want to do some CE credits at CU, and it sounds like Jake has a sweet ass class, it lets you go to Deion Sanders press conferences. So I would yeah, check that out too. My upper level uh, sports broadcaster. <laughs> We're students, I think, there today. See, there you go. Um, Chase, also, once again, thank you for coming on. Action Network still? Action Network. And Hell yeah. Lofty Report contributor. <laughs> it's true. Hats in the mail. I don't even have a hat. Um, all right. Thank you both for coming on. It is a new era, and uh, I guess the time is prime. Buzz! Buzz!